Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Head over to Hulu this March where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. Catch the award-winning movie Poor Things starring Emma Stone, Mark Ruffalo and Willem Dafoe. Check out the new documentary, Freaknik, The Wildest Party Never Told, about the iconic Atlanta street party. And don't miss FX's Shogun, a reimagining of the epic tale starring Anna Sawai. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. This is a Lip Media Podcast. Lucas and Vincent were not in the mainstream of gay life. Uh, he was saving body parts, such as uh, skulls. Doesn't it bother you that he's a fag? You have done me a great service. Now I must service you. And the drugs were, were always a, a cry for attention, for somebody to pay attention to me before I, you know, kill somebody. <laughs> You can imagine what it smells like if you go into a closed room. Something is trying to get inside my body. Yeah, she's female and she's waiting for you in the cabana. And you want to sleep with me. Buckle up, Sodomites, and welcome to the Sinister Sissies podcast, your guide to true crime, horror, and everything man-on-man and macabre. I'm Jared, your master of depravity, and for the last time in 2020, I'm staring at the beautiful face of my filthy little slave, Sam Hamilton. Hello, Sam. I thought you were about to fire me, (laughs) I thought you were about to be like, for the last time, you'll be hearing the voice of Sam Hamilton. I was going to be like, what? Yeah. Goodbye, Sam. I need to, yeah. Look, I'm, 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 sticking, I, I'm sticking it out for another year if I'm allowed. Renew my contract. It doesn't exist. I have my slaves on an annual turnover. When would be a year of you being a co-host? In, I, th- I think actually in January. I think February I'd started it this year. So, you know, we've, we've yeah. had a... We've, we've been together long enough to have a child. I want to have a little horror baby. That's too heterosexual for this podcast. Let's not talk about gestation and, and pregnancy. Okay. Uh, I just want to be bred. How about that? Uh, <laughs> uh, that is Sam's adver- advertisement to our fans. Uh, feel free to get in contact with Sam at any time. <laughs> <laughs> yes, look, I my petting zoo is ready to be expanded. <laughs> You, I don't know uh, where I'm going here, cut. Your petting zoo? You know, like, I'm like breeding pets. But that, now it sounds like I'm into bestiality. So, also, okay. petting zoo, it's the baby animals. That's also... <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it sounds like I'm a pedophilic bestiality um, 
Look, we're just, I just if this sounds great to you, again, get in contact with Sam on our Instagram. It is at sinister underscore sissies. So we're doing something uh, a little bit different for our final episode for 2020. And a, a little bit less structured, which probably means we're going to fail. Yeah, I'm also, I'm drinking this wonderful gin and soda. Um, so if I get a little bit loosey-goosey throughout the podcast, that is probably why. Um, Sam is it's sober from what I can tell. I am very sober. I am. <laughs> he is, he's in, in the unfortunate position. This episode, we're going to talk about some of the films that we love, but don't quite fall into the uh, homoerotic horror category that usually restricts us okay. in the I'm podcast. I'm going to challenge you right there. One of, my, one of my challenges was known as being like an anti-AIDS movie. Really? Okay, we'll say this. Yeah. Some of them may have homoerotic themes, but would otherwise would not say, fit in yeah, the podcast. Undertones, not overtones. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so we're going to be picking two... Well, each of us is going to pick one relatively well-known movie and one relatively unknown movie within the horror-slash-thriller genre. Uh, just giving us the chance to be movie nerds about something um, that we just always wanted to talk about. So... Bit of a loosey-goosey episode, bit of a, a relaxed way to to finish off the horrendous fucking year that was 2020. So let's start off with my pick. Uh, I'm going to start with the lesser known film, and I think it's the more recent of all of our choices. Actually, no, it definitely is the most recent of all of our choices, um, I want to talk about Excision, which is a 2012 horror film directed by Richard Bates Jr. Can you contract an STD from having sex with a dead person? I'm a god. Go to your room. I've got some old jump ropes. I don't think so. You are a very troubled little girl. I want to lose my virginity to you. <laughs> People like Natalie need to be punched in the face. Take off your clothes, Evan. Mr. Cooper, I think I'm going to be sick. Tough it out. <laughs> the general premise... This is not a movie that's going to be easy to summarize. The general premise of Excision is that it's about Pauline, played by Annalyn McCord. Pauline is fucking weird. And yeah, she's fucking weird. She is a strange teenage girl uh, who aspires to be a surgeon and uh, has dark fantasies that gradually drift into real life it definitely made me feel a lot better about the inner workings of my mind you know like i go fucked up but she goes like she goes into another planet they're very artsy fantasies as well it's this it's kind of sexual uh, transformative it's very well done cinematography um in terms of a picture inside the head of a very disturbed girl now, the actress who plays the disturbed girl, Sam and I have talked about this before, Anna Lynn McCord, 
You know her from something else, don't you? Well, any 90210 reboot fans, she did play Naomi, Naomi Clark. She was like the queen bee of the show who was meant to be the villain, but she was so good that she became the main character as the show went on. So, I... She showed those (laughs) acting chops here. This is Sam watching things that I would never fucking watch over my dead body. Um, And it's because it's... What I find with her is that it's a really weird casting choice because she is a... I don't know. I don't know how to describe this. Classically attractive. Yeah, she's like the, she's like the hot girl. But in this movie, they actually made it was it was one of the only times I've ever seen like a really hot person successfully made like convincingly unattractive. And it's not like they they don't use like um like oh they might but they don't use excessive prosthetics or anything like that. It is literally it's all in her kind of performance makes yes, she hunch she's hunched. She's she's pale. She's got pimples. She she pulls off this this disturbed young woman. Um, it's possibly arguable that this movie is a horror comedy. Um, depending on how you look at it, the guest stars are um, so. There's there's cameos from Malcolm McDowell. Um, there's cameos from John Waters. John Waters plays a priest in this. Um, and the mother of the disturbed Pauline is played by Tracy Lords. Now, some people might not know Tracy Lords unless you're a John Waters fan, in which case you'd probably know Tracy Lords. Tracy Lords was a porn star, um, who, uh, caused a scandal in the US because she was a porn star for three years. And for two out of those three years, when she started, yeah, she was actually underage, uh, and so all these movies, she was an incredibly famous porn star that performed when she was underage and it caused this huge scandal. Um, well, you want to know how I learned about Tracy Lords? How? You're going to judge me because when she was trying to break away from porn, she had a guest into Melrose Place. Oh. <laughs> Another one of my trashy shows. Oh my God. So Which many, so many soapy tie-ins. Um, she, she's actually brilliant in this movie like she's a good actress yeah no, she's great um there is we're not going to go into spoilers with any of these films but the end scene of this movie is horrific and it's entirely mm-hmm. based on tracy lord's performance um and there's a there's a there's a particular final note at the scene that she just pulls off amazingly um and and i love yeah this is actually i actually think this film is one of the most successful blends of horror and comedy that that there that there is really i think this and behind the mask rise of leslie vernon are the two best like horror comedy blends because this film has a lot of heart to it too like you actually are emotionally involved but you're also like laughing your head off but then you're like oh my god that was really disturbing or like i feel really bad for pauline now even though she's like psychopathic i don't i it's not like there's like set up jokes. It's more that she's so odd that there's this inherent quirkiness to things. Like everything's like a little bit heightened. Like you can't have John Waters play a priest without it being a little bit campy. Um, the director has done two other films, Suburban Gothic and Trash Fire. Trash Fire is the names in it. Uh, it is a trash fire shit. Um, but so, I like trash oh, fire. Oh, really? I think Annalyn McCaw does a great job in that film. See, as well. I didn't like trash fire. And if you listen, if you listen to our podcast by any chance, I really want you to play like a hot mum in one of my movies, <laughs> like in like five years. 
I um yeah, don't tell her that she's mum. She's been mummed as an actress. I just want her to be like the vixen mum that like does something racy. I don't know why. I've always pictured her like this. Okay. Even when she was in her twenties, I'm like, I want her to be like my vixen mum. This is some interesting gay male psychology Maybe going because on I, here. Because I because I knew even back then that I'm, if I ever make an American film, it won't be for like ten years. So you know, vixen mum. You were planning ahead. Is what. I was planning ahead. Not that, you know, women in their 30s can't play interesting and diverse roles, but this vixen mum will be layered, Annalyn. You'll nah. be gagging at this character. 30s is death. I'm in my 30s. It's death. Um, I was going to say Suburban Gothic I liked, which is another film by Richard Bates Jr. Have you seen that one? Well, I've only yeah, I've only seen Trashfire and this one. Okay. Um, he... Trashfire was also like maybe the last film I watched before I moved out of home. I watched it with my mum. So maybe Aww. it's got a bit of a sentimental value. That's nice. I I mean, it was a pretty fucked up movie with about dysfunctional families, but... Well, that seems to be his theme. Parted ways. Because that that's also the thing in suburban suburban gothic. Um, it is. He, he likes these kind of small family dramas that go incredibly sinister. Um, that seems... Yeah, he did say about Excision that he wanted to make the film that he would have wanted to see as a teenager. The horror... Other than the, the the ending that I can think about, the horror is often fantastical or implied. Um, there's a sex scene involving uh, it's oh what's his name? I think his name's Jeremy Sumter. He's the actor who played Peter Pan as a child. Um, did you know? Have you seen that? That original, that Peter Pan. I haven't, but I saw him eating out a girl on her period when I watched yes. the movie again. Spoilers! So, Spoilers! Spoiler! <laughs> um, <laughs> Look, it's 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 Pauline's dream to like lose her virginity on her period. Yeah, minor spoiler. I I should note this this film is based on a short film that came prior, also with Annalyn McCord. Um, but don't watch the short film if you want to see the feature film because it does spoil things. Um, but Check it out. That is that is my recommendation of a film that I do not hear many people talk about. It seems to have kind of flown under the radar for most people. It got average-ish reviews, which I, I, I think is maybe because the plot isn't... It's, it's a character study. There isn't like a... If you're going to go into a horror film expecting some sort of like killer to bust through the door and there to be like some sort of escalating terror, it's instead this calm, weird look at a very disturbed young girl. It's not my fault I was born with a chemical imbalance. Sam is going to tell us about his more well-known favorite film yes well dario argento is a mainstay in you know our horror world that we all you know frolic in and uh obviously he put himself on the map with deep red in 1975 but in 1977 suspiria i guess really solidified that and it was quite a departure from his previous films which had been more sort of detective based sort of murder mysteries this kind of combines that with like a really stylized visuals and you know it's it's got witches it's supernatural this is what films should be like. And then every film I made as a high school student had all these wannabe Suspiria color schemes and lighting motifs. 
Want flexibility? Take yoga. Want flexibility with your health insurance? Check out United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly medical, dental, and vision coverage that may be right for you. More at UH1.com. Roses are red, violets are blue, but the iris is a flower that will mean the end of it. You can run from Suspiria. those of you who aren't you know complete horror nerds and haven't seen Suspiria um, it is again one of those films where summarizing a plot doesn't really work I mean it's a, a girl goes to a dance school in Germany is I suppose the most basic way of framing the plot and the teachers are witches <laughs> spoilers maybe oh I don't I'm, I'm, I'm yeah is it spoilers oh, no, come on that's that is just like that's almost like the log line yeah um yeah but this i think the film the thing that makes this film so memorable is it kind of does put you inside like a it almost feels like you are living a nightmare mm. like a really beautiful fantastical nightmare but it doesn't it's you know it's got a pretty streamlined plot compared to a lot of european horror films and italian horror films in particular there aren't many films that do like nightmarish craziness like this film and just everything everything just perfectly marries together i think the soundtrack is phenomenal jessica harper is a great leading lady uh soundtrack by yes. goblin yes who, who did several of argento's films who i don't think i appreciated as much from suspiria but definitely the tenebrae soundtrack i spent earlier this month just listening to that on loop i fucking love that um i think it's also worth noting that the screenplay for suspiria it was dario argento but also daria nicolodi um who was also in deep red and she just just passed away yeah i was about to say that yeah i was just about to yeah well i think it was actually it was actually daria's idea i think like i think they obviously collaborated but i think that Daria was always a bit of a muse for Dario, even after they broke mm. up, because they were together for, I'd say, around 10 years in a romantic relationship. Um, but even when they broke up, she still continued to appear in some of his films and was obviously, they have a daughter together, Aja Argento, who is, you know, probably most famous now for being a notable voice and then dismantling the Me Too movement in some ways by, you know, also being an alleged perpetrator. <laughs> But yeah, um, I don't know if we should keep this in. I don't know. <laughs> no, I like it. I like the scandal added in. Um, in terms of the the, I always struggle with recommending Dario Argento films to people. Um, I mean, sometimes it's harder to to recommend older films to people generally. But I think Dario Argento films. Well, okay, first of all, we we need to talk about the dubbing. Well, this is a this was a, at the time in European cinema, um, they would often just get people to perform in their native language and then dub it in different languages after the fact. So they could, they thought this was how they'd get the best performances yeah. from the actors, but it kind of has the reverse experience when sometimes the dubbing is so horrendous that it takes you out of the scene completely. I think it, which I think Suspiria has better dubbing than a lot of his other films. I would say. Probably because Jessica Harper actually was performing in English. Yeah. 
Um, and I think that the main villain also was English. There are moments where it'll, if you if you're not aware that that is a thing that happened during this time in Italian films, you would just. I remember when I first watched it, I wasn't aware of that, and I was like, "What is going on with this?" Because at first you think that like, "Oh, something's wrong with this copy of the movie," <laughs> and then you're like, "Oh no, she's not actually saying those words." Films like Suspiria that have very like sort of heightened realities and heightened visuals, I can kind of get behind some bad dubbing because i feel like it kind of adds to that sort of fantastical you're not watching you're not watching superior for the dialogue um if if the only time that i think it's it's maybe important to to listen to the dialogue is that there is a bit of an exposition dump um i think about midway through explaining about the witches um but that's only if you really want to understand that full context it is a it's a visual film it is very much about the visual imagery and the interesting colors and the the that giallo blood which looks like paint well look if people want to accuse this film of being style over substance they can but it's style done the best way possible so i yeah no i Get your bloody eyes and watch this movie. It's 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 iconically visual and inspiring, um, which is why I was very glad with the remake that they didn't try and recreate all of that. They'd made it their own thing. Have you seen the remake? Yeah, no, I, I don't think the remake is like a fantastic film, but I think it is a good film. And I do admire that Luca didn't just try and replicate the things that made the original so iconic. Instead, he went for like a much more cold and sort of... It's, it's kind of about um, the po- politics. Like muted colour There's scheme. a lot about the politics of Germany in the... I mean, it's, it is officially a remake, so I am using the term remake, but I almost don't want to call it that because it's a completely different film. Well, it's almost a completely... It's like they, it's like they use the, this film as like a blueprint, mm. sort of. Like, we're going to have a ballet studio with... Like, they almost could have not called it Suspiria, and people might have been like, oh, that was... A little bit of a Suspiria ripoff, but maybe. But I don't even know if they would have because it's just about a Covenant Witches in a ballet, and the visuals are very different up until the end. There are some, mm. I guess, some sort of homages or um, similar visuals in the finale to the original Suspiria. But as a whole, it's it's its own thing, which I respect. I haven't. This is a bit controversial. I haven't seen the sequels. I've heard one of them is very terrible and one of them's okay. Well, I actually I love Inferno the the first sequel from 1980 but they're kind of like spiritual sequels like they're about the same um coven of witches like the three there's like the three mothers but i think inferno is great like i think visually it might even be better than suspiria for me okay i should check it out but the three i mean i was about to call it the three mothers the mother of tears the third one i haven't actually seen it in probably 10 years but I feel like it's one of those films that fans are coming around to now. I think there was just so much pressure for it to compare to Suspiria and a lesser extent Inferno. And Argento's reputation was kind of going down the drain at that time well, too. Well, um, it was so. Suspiria is 1977, Inferno was 1980, and Mother of Tears was 2007. <laughs> um, I remember how excited I was when I first saw Mother of Tears though. Like I, did, I, I liked it. I just can't. It definitely doesn't have the same like visual appeal that the others did. It was, it definitely felt like it was maybe a little bit more like pedestrian or something like. Oh, that. you elitist! You film snob. I know. <laughs> well, you know, from you know, like the commoners you know, just, would like yeah. this. 
Well, I don't know if the commoners would like it because it was weird, but without a, without enough things to win over the weird crowd. I yeah. feel. I feel like it probably. I don't think it. Some... Just didn't give the fans what exactly what they were wanting. I don't think someone who went to watch what's a two thousand seven horror film went to watch Hostel would like the Mother of Tears. But you cannot escape. Well, speaking of 1970s horror films that were iconic and still, you know, quite celebrated today, and they have remakes. See, look, there's all these commonalities. Yeah. They're like, they're getting married. Our, our the remakes of this film are uh, of much poorer quality, in my opinion. <laughs> well, look, hint, hint, it was the film where, like, the remake kind of kick-started the whole, like, noughties remake trend. It is true. It is true. Um, so my pick of a classic film that I love, and it... It is my my favorite horror film. Is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre from 1974 by Toby Hooper? What happened was true. The most bizarre and brutal series of crimes in America. to summarize the plot you i think you already know it it is a template that after it came out got reused over and over again a group of young people go to visit a family home they go to a neighbor's place and leatherface is waiting for them first of all whenever i talk about this film with people the image that people have in their head about what the texas chainsaw massacre is and what it actually is is completely different. Yeah, I think people. I think even I, before I saw it, was expecting this really vile, like gruesome film of like people's heads getting cut off and stuff. But it's quite restrained. Like all the, there isn't even really a scene of real cringeworthy violence. But there are cringeworthy scenes. But yes, yeah, it's, it's often in this film. I guess they use like the whole cliche of like what you don't see can be more terrifying than what you do see. Yeah, and Marilyn Burns's performance is amazing. So I think. A combination of like her just like losing her shit and a lot of good like sound design and yeah just things behind closed doors make it work so well it it plays around with visuals and sounds in kind of a creative way as well like i don't think people realize that it was it's kind of an i'm not going to call it an art film but it has an artiness to it at points in terms of the visuals. I think I remember reading that it was shot with leftover film roll from the war or something like that. So that's probably why it has that really like lo-fi sort of like what you what you're saying, kind of like an art film sort of sensibility to it. I think because the image is sort of like dark and a bit washed out, and it and it yeah, adds kind of the whole film documentary. The whole film feels like sweaty and and gross um 
it is very much the aesthetic that if you've ever seen a Rob Zombie film, I imagine this is probably one of his most favorite films. That kind of like redneck horror <laughs> Uh, comes from the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. And in terms of um, Toby Hooper and Kim Henkel, who helped co-write it, um, they were... There was this sense of, particularly in the south of America, that it was kind of an apocalyptic world down there. And this is coming off the back of the Vietnam War... There was an oil crisis happening at the time, so um, oil prices were going up considerably, and that's in the movie as well. Um, Lots of people are being laid off from manufacturing plants and having job losses, and in fact, um, what what gets known later on as the Sawyer family, um, they all used to work at the local slaughterhouse, and then the slaughterhouse got shut down. Um, so there's, there's these kind of economic depression and socio-political issues happening that undercut the film and is the reason they wanted to make something so grimy and schlocky and apocalyptic. Um, and they pull it off so well. I think it's a, it's a very intelligent film. It's definitely something that is very, yeah, like you're saying, like very reflective of things that were happening during that era. And I guess there's like the implication, you know, the family... Are starving and like they're willing to like basically it's like a man eat man dog eat dog world out there and that's literally what they're doing to survive they are you know preying on other people who are weaker lower down the food chain than them i guess and then making them their own personal food yeah food. and i i i like that there was an intellectual thought behind that even um leatherface played by gunner hansen he is depicted as having um, kind of cognitive impairments or, you know, whatever the kind of politically correct word we could use for that. Um, but it, there was a lot of research done by Connor Hansen to have um, the, the actions of somebody who has that sort of um, impairment and for it not to be entirely stereotypical, even though he's killing people. I know that's a really weird thing to say. Um, there was thought put into the performance there's weird stuff about, um, in the original, they fuck it up in the sequels, but in the orig- original, it is a family entirely of men. The women are out of the picture and there's kind of, and, and Leatherface has to play this maternal role, even though he's childlike. Um, so there's that whole dynamic with Marilyn Burns, who, um, who plays the main character, um, who's Sally. She is caught and at the the dinner table and there's implications there that she might be sexually assaulted and all of them are kind of disgusted at that they just want to eat her <laughs> like this the sexual politics of it is is surprisingly nuanced um and i i should say as well because i could just like rant about this film for ages but um uh, all the actors in the film sacrificed a lot, in particular that dinner scene. Um, there's a point where um, Sally, Marilyn Burns, is being cut and they couldn't get it done on set. Um, and so they ended up actually cutting her in order to get that done. Uh, they needed to film it all in one day um, and the meat because of the, the heat, like it was so hot in there that the meat started to go off and smelling. So people were running outside to vomit as they were trying to get the scene done. 
it sounds like a fucking hectic shoot. Um, Low budget nightmare embodied. <laughs> but it kind of translates onto the screen. You can you can feel the grossness. Marilyn Burns looks like, that in that final scene. She just looks exhausted. It actually looks like she has been through this traumatic experience. Interesting thing about the 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 most iconic final scene. I don't think this is spoilers because it would make so no sense if you haven't seen it. But um, the point where she's madly laughing, um, that particular shot that was used, they had wrapped up, everything had been finalised, and then they lost the footage of the original final scene. And this is after, like, the most horrendous shoot in the world. Um, and so she actually had to come back to do that scene, I think, two days after this, like, horrendous week. And so I think that was literally her just fucking... Just being like, I'm done with this shitty fucking movie. Um, and, and it comes out. The Texas Chainsaw Massacre. After you stop screaming, you'll start talking about it. To finish off the episode, Sam is going to tell us about his lesser-known film choice. Uh, It is horror thriller. I was a bit back and forth about this. I think it's officially a thriller, but I would say it's got horror elements. One particular scene. Oh, come on. This is like one one of the most horrific bloody films that I've... Or at least the scenario of it is. Yes. Something that, yeah. When I think about it, I get the heebie-jeebies. So yeah, my... I'm also probably kind of cheating because it's still quite well known, but... I actually... I hadn't known about it. I hadn't heard of it before you told me. Well, the suspense must be killing you all. The film is The Hitcher from 1986. My mother told me never to do this. Before many miles, he'll wish he'd taken his mom's advice. When Jim Halsey let the Hitcher into his car, he opened the doors of hell. from 1986 directed by robert Harmon, who i think has gone on to like a lot of sort of like made for dvd slash tv movies but you know he struck gold with this one it has racha hawa who i'm probably really pronouncing the name badly there but you know we all i think racha was in a dario argento film once was it is he i i thought i recognized his face but i couldn't pin it I mean, he's definitely been in... He was in Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie. Oh, I hate the movie. (laughs) Oh, of course the most obvious answer to this is Blade Runner. Oh, yeah, of course. (laughs) Um, Look, mind's free is, yes, he played one of the evil androids in Blade Runner. Mm, The most iconic evil android. Yes, the, the villainous of the villainous evil android. And C. Thomas Howell, who was sort of like a teen idol at the time, who was in movies like Soul Man. That's a film that would not be made Google... today. It's about a guy who pretends... I was going to say Google Soul Man. Be... <laughs> yes. Google Soul Man and your mouth will open wide. But yes, it was an accepted and popular comedy. Um... Mom, Dad, I'm black. What? As you could guess by the title, it is about a young person who picks up a hitchhiker and guess what he is a serial killer and you know from the from the get-go there's no messing around there's no ambiguity we know this hitchhiker is completely psychopathic 
he's telling him that he wants to kill him basically immediately and it's just all i think the chemistry between the two characters and just the way that rutcher plays this unhinged psychopath just makes the film work so well for me and it makes my skin crawl when i just think about the performance so yeah he, he, he did a good job he did a good job and this this isn't a spoiler or anything but um i i did appreciate that the hitchhiker we don't we don't know why he's motivated to kill he's just motivated to kill he just loves it. Yeah, and well, but but I think that kind of embodies like that fear of like letting some like if you're in this scenario like you let someone into your car your fear is just are they psycho or are they not psycho? Yeah, and so this film just just it doesn't play games. It's like yes, he's psycho, and he's, you're in for a bloody ride now. He's just an an evil force that is persisting and is causing destruction. Um, and is able to get out of any situation. There are a lot of incompetent cops in this film. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> um, but I, I, a lot of them who end up dead. Spoiler. Yeah. The, there's, uh, he, I, I like that, that, that premise of just a guy that just wants to kill. And it's, it's kind of, it's like Halloween, isn't it? Like Halloween in the shape. Um, is just a originally before all the backstory and stuff happened in the sequels was originally just an evil person who just wanted to kill and the the hitchhiker in this is that he he matter-of-factly states that that is what he does he's just going through and killing different people i'd say that that the only things that didn't kind of work for me is there were many points which really dated the film in terms of like action scenes um it gets a bit actiony at times there are explosions in things and i was like I, w- I would have liked it if it stayed a little bit more understated um there's yeah it's definitely it's definitely not a restrained film um like they d- i feel like they do like there is a particular scene where they really could have gone Oh, I don't want to give spoilers, but basically... Spoilers! Spoilers for the next two minutes. Okay. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So basically, um, our main character befriends Jennifer Jason Lee. Mm. Well, Nash is the character's name. Yeah. Played by Jennifer Jason Lee, And Nash gets killed absolutely horrifically by getting tied between two trucks and the hitcher drives off and tears her in half. Yeah. In the remake, naturally, we do see the full scenario and it's wasn't that effective so i don't know if they probably did take the right yeah action here but yeah that the impliedness is intense um particularly because they're setting that up almost as a i i did enjoy that they subverted your expectations a bit and that she seemed like she was going to be the romantic um kind of counterpart and she was in danger and so you expect everything to be okay um but it doesn't. She she dies horrifically. Yeah, this film also has a very like a deep homoerotic undertone. Like even the first chance that Jim the hit the driver calling him the hitcher, Jim the driver has to kind of get to safety um, when they when they're pulled over by a police officer. The uh, the hitcher <laughs> puts his hand on his leg and implies they're like in a relationship, and then it, they kind of just like go on on their merry way. And there's just a lot of this kind of tension between them. This the whole film, and a lot of people. I, I think the film. I think Sam is reading a yeah. little bit into it. I don't know. I didn't get it as much as was that a thing at no, the time. I feel I, I, I feel twisted love between the two of them. There's like a, there's a connection there. 
And I think that's what sells the film too for me. But a lot of people did read this film as the Hitcher sort of being a, um, like a visual, like I guess like a, a allegory metaphor for AIDS, and that like he was oh. like trying to look. Jared, shock! This is this is good, Jared. Maybe this, maybe maybe I need to rewatch. So I, I think I, so I, th- I, I, I guess because the Hitcher is like obsessed with Jim, there is this sort of like depraved love story you could you could concoct. I don't know if it was intended, but I, I think just because it came out at the perfect time when AIDS was really blasting off in 1986. I hadn't thought of that. That, that adds that does add an interesting layer to it. The whole premise of the film is like it's, it's exploiting that fear of like you know if you you're picking up someone and not knowing anything about them and like what if they are I think I said this before like what if they are crazy. And like, if you were in this situation in real life, you wouldn't find out their life story. You would just be like, oh shit, they want to kill me. Once you've met the Hitcher, you'll never pick up another. So check out the Hitcher as well as all the other films that we've discussed today. Suspiria, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and... What was it? Excision. Sam's remembered. I, I, um, I'd like to thank you all for listening to the podcast this year, and particularly those of you who are supporting us on Patreon. Thank you all so much. Uh, we will be back in the new year. I don't know. What are we thinking? February? What are we doing? Look, Master <laughs> decides I will be along for the ride to linking with a hitcher pun. I'm thinking February. So, um, back in February, we will be active on social media, though. So, check us out on Twitter at Sinister Sissies. You can check us out on Instagram at Sinister underscore Sissies. And please send any recommendations for fresh episodes, whether it's gay serial killers or whether it's homoerotic horror films. We will uh, do episodes on them if you request them. Uh, But again, Thanks again for supporting us, and until next time... Stay sinister! <laughs> Sam, Sam has been wanting to do that Look, all year. Look, I've been year. waiting the whole bloody year. Give it to me. <laughs>